welcome to Super Respectable. My name is David Lewis. Ich bin David David Lewis, um, reporting from The Hague. And with me in studio is Tosho Rahman. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Well, digital studio, I guess, or Zoom studio. Zoom studio, yes. Um, How's good. it going? How's life? Life's good. <laughs> Life's okay. It is what it is. No, it is what it is. <laughs> we're good. We're good. We're good. Um, how's life with you? How's how's the Netherlands? How's lockdown, which is you've told me has now been extended. I'm so sorry to hear that. Uh, it's okay. I kind of expect it to be extended every month until the end of time, distant, distant future, end of time. So no, no, no change on that front. But uh, uh, to make you feel better, we actually um, so we've extended our curfews here. Well, no, it's that's not the right wording. In BC, for the twenty fourth time, they've uh, extended a state of emergency. But I don't really know what that means because people are still out and about, and nothing stopped. So maybe it's just a term. But twenty four times apparently. So we're sort of on the same page as you, sort of. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, the numbers have gone down here, so it seems like things have t taking effect. But they're really kind of concerned about this uh, British variant. Yeah. Um, so that's a concern. And uh, I, I think we're just gonna be like this until everyone's had their vaccines. It's just gonna be stop start of um, restrictions until everyone's had their jab. What's, uh, what's the status of that in the Netherlands? Are people getting the jab or? Uh... It's pretty bad. Uh, I think we're second worst in the European Union. No um, second only to <laughs> Bulgaria. And um, yeah, it's been pretty slow. So like in the UK, which is not a European Union country anymore, anymore. Uh, they've, they've been uh, blazing ahead. My, my grandmothers have had their vaccines the first really? round. So that's good news. Um, but not to say, I mean, the UK has been really hard hit with the, the virus. So it's good that they're getting ahead of it. Agreed, agreed. I, uh, um, my sister lives in the UK. Your family is from the UK. So I really hope things get better. I was talking to a friend the other day and I just think, listen, let's just like buckle down and get this thing solved. It's been a year, which is insane. And we've, you know, I don't think people can go another year without just society breaking down. So <laughs> whatever it takes, let's get this thing figured out. And, uh, and, uh, and the, it's strange here in, in Vancouver, it, the streets are just empty all the time. Like anytime we go out, there's no traffic. I mean, strange. Isn't that how it. Vancouver is uh, in normal times? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but uh, I went for a walk last night around like 930 just to get my extra couple thousand calories, you know, steps in to get 10,000 because I'm old and I like walking a lot. And so like it was like it was so quiet and it's just kind of strange of what it is. But you know, I understand, and uh, it is, it is, it is what it is. But do you think that's, um, you know, you were in Istanbul before, and that's a crazy busy city. Yeah. Do you think part of it's just a shock to the system from going to from a really intense city to uh, like a, a very placid? Uh, you can, place? you can, you can see, you can hear the 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 birds, not the birds, but I'm going to say the the. What do you call it? Grasshoppers and the crickets. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it definitely could be. It's a very good point. It's a small city. We don't even hit a million as a city itself. Uh, but uh, and Istanbul is like twenty million, so it definitely is. But I also remember, but like even when I take a car out and I go for a drive, and here and there, it's pretty quiet. I don't think I've had to stop at red lights, and I mean, like I stop at red lights. <laughs> but what I meant to say is, like I know there's no like long lines and this and yeah, that. Yeah, I understand. It's it's a little strange, but. I, I respect that people are, are doing it. And I, I find that mask wearing generally is okay. Uh, some people don't even have masks on their face, which I think is weird. I mean, you know, sometimes the people, they do the, what are the different styles? There's the under the chin, right? 
there's the hanger <laughs> the one there's the there's the arm like you know you can yeah. keep it on your arm i do or that just the nose there's just the nose the nose is exposed <laughs> the nose is exposed so usually when someone's got the mask but they don't or wear it over over the eyes <laughs> yeah i think they're good <laughs> <laughs> then there's the there's the there's the full-on like plastic thing that looks like you know yeah. they're going into surgery usually when people have one on i'm like at least it's good and they can they can prepare it. some people don't even have it on their person so i'm like what's happening with you man like what's the what's the deal but I hope so. The, the, the biggest news out of Canada, I, I don't know if you followed or not, is that they are producing their own COVID uh, uh, vaccine as of yesterday, I think it was reported, which is good because uh, there was a delay in the Pfizer one. And so, I mean, at this point, I don't even think it should be a competition. Just get it done. <laughs> so we can all get out of there. You know? <laughs> Whatever works right now. Yeah, for sure. Um, just get uh, Bill Gates and uh, Bezos to spend all their money and make it happen. Yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, before we uh, uh, commence into your topic, just a, uh, a report. We've, uh, we've ha- we're having amazing response from Canada. Mm. We are, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, we, uh, I think we're the 166th most listened to podcast in Canada under the comedy section, we've been told this week, which is which is great. I mean, I didn't know there was 166 <laughs> podcasts. Yeah. I don't know, like maybe there's only 167 uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. podcasts, but uh, I'm very pleased and very um, honored for all the listeners we have in Canada. I hope we, um, I didn't even know we were categorized as a comedy uh, yeah. podcast. So, we start, uh, yeah, absolutely. Thank you to everyone out of uh, Canada, our home country. We're, mm. we're uh, and then also a big thanks to uh, uh, people out of India who have been listening. Hello, India. Thank Hi, you. India. Thank you very much. We, uh, We've both been to your wonderful country. We both love it. We both love talking about it. Our most popular podcast, Dave, I don't know if you know this, is the Shah Rukh Khan podcast, the one. Hmm. Uh, so uh, if you guys like stuff like that, we can keep doing it. And uh, you know our email. Uh, it's, I'll say it again, super respectable at Gmail. I'll put it in the link. Please message us with comments. Uh, like us, dislike us, suggest comments. We'll mention it on air. Yeah, no problem. We're all about the people. So yeah, yeah, we're all for the people. Just keep uh, engaging, interacting with us. We love it. We love all the people who reach out to us for interviews. There's been so many, we can't get to you all. That's true. Um, yeah. So thank you very much. Yeah. yeah. If you, uh, we're always here. I think it'd be great. So we're just doing this for fun, of course, but we'd love to kind of learn more and thank you so much. That's the big thing. So we're, Dave and I were talking, <laughs> it's either, it's either Canada and India or Indians in Canada or Canadians in India. But if it's either of those three categories, we're okay. We're good. Yeah. And if you fall outside of that, thank you as well. <laughs> yeah. Thank you too. <laughs> You're okay. You're okay. We're all good. Yeah. Uh, so David, so the other topic we should be covering, um, which will lead into my story of the week is Reddit and GameStop. Uh, that has been captivating. Um, it's been fascinating and I'm sure I know it's not for everybody. You know, it's kind of, um, esoteric and weird to be focusing on short sellers and reddit and what's what's going on there yeah but the the whole like big picture of the story is sort of david and goliath like these guys on the chat and it's largely guys i I imagine on these chat forums and reddit have managed to bid up the stock of of gamestop which is a video game retailer very relevant yeah uh from like four bucks to 350 close to 400 and just take down these short sellers, uh, these from from these hedge funds. It's just incredible to to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
uh, it's interesting. You and I are following it. Uh, you're you're involved. I'm just watching. Uh, did you have you? I'm bought- not involved. Oh, I, I didn't buy. I didn't buy sorry, any shares. Sorry. No, no, no. I don't think I will, but I will watch it because uh, I like the I like the revolt against the people uh, against the institution. <laughs> so like uh, uh, the legal the legal and justified one. And I think a lot of people are coming. A lot of uh, uh, um, uh, rich people who are not institutional investors are coming out in support of the retail investors as well. Uh, Mark Cuban keeps talking about supporting and a couple other billionaires, but uh, I think this thing is going to keep going for a while, right? Like it's, correct me if you're, if I'm wrong or not, but it's not one of the things that can just die out. It, I mean, a lot of it has to do with numbers and holdings and stuff. As long as people hold, this thing could keep going, right? Uh, yeah, I don't have the greatest expert opinion on this one, but I think possibly 300 something is uh pretty high for something like GameStop, a pretty high yeah. valuation. Yeah. But um, definitely the, the original um, posters um, assessment and diligence on GameStop saying this is uh, undervalued and it does, deserves to be higher. He, he was right. Um, so I don't know if you got a chance to look at the, the guy's research, yeah. his video. He Whoa. was incredible. Very, very well done. So just a side note, Dave sent me uh, the guy who s- started all this, his, his YouTube posts uh, over the last six months. I watched, I didn't, I mean, I don't have 55 hours of my life too, <laughs> but yeah, I did watch it. He was incredibly uh, detailed, uh, incredibly well-spoken as well. Uh, I, I know Super articulate. Yeah. Super articulate, super smart. He wasn't just a crazy guy. Super respectable. Uh, super respectable. We should get him on the podcast. I think when it dies down a bit, we'll, we'll try it and because uh, I'm sure the whole world's media wants him right now. Yeah. Maybe, um, yeah, we should reach out to him. Well, let's, let's post it at least on our, on our page, uh, the, yeah, the YouTube yeah. link. Uh, but very, very interesting what's happening. And so keep an eye out. We're, uh, we'd love to get your comments on it and see what people are saying. But we're, we're, we're on the side of the, <laughs> I don't know who picks <laughs> sides or not, but it, we're definitely observers. And we definitely, I definitely have a side. But I am interested just uh, structurally how this plays out, you know, and as opposed to just because I think uh, unlike other things which uh, which have odds, uh, this is a little bit more uh, researched and backed. And so uh, um, a lot of people, I think, are not giving up. If you go on the boards, a lot of people have these things where they just do live stream for six hours talking about it, watching their screens. So uh, uh, it'll be interesting to, to see how this plays out, not only now, but in the future in terms of investing, if something like this could happen again. Oh, for sure. This is the new normal. Yeah, it's, yeah. So if you have money, I just hoard it right now. I think, I think put it in, buy a bunch of gold bullion and put it into your vault, I think. is. Oh, just to clarify, we are not uh, investment advisors or financial advisors. Anything we say uh, on this podcast is said for uh, entertainment Entertainment purposes. uh, purposes, And please make your own decisions accordingly. Thank you very much. (laughs) I think that disclaimer, I've heard it like 15 times on every video I watch. I don't know why, but I felt like it's important to say it. I don't want to get sued. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. And it's this is recorded. Anyways, I hand it over to you. I, uh, it's your, it's your week. Uh, It's relevance, whatever you'd like to talk about. I think you said it's a little bit relevant to what we're talking about now, right? Yes, uh, and forgive me, uh, dear viewers and listeners, I didn't go into as much depth as I'd wanted to on this story. I thought, no I thought it was really interesting, but uh, a lot of uh, work and study things got in the way. Mm. But I wanted to do something that was connected to the Reddit and GameStop story, because I just found that so fascinating. And cool. uh, hopefully our listeners find this story pretty interesting, too. Yeah. So this is something that's connected. Um, it's like what I consider the root of 
the Reddit story. It, it, it traces back to um, the year, I think 1999, 2000. Um, and I think it's one of the first um, instances of someone posting on like online forums yeah. and um, having real world uh, repercussions for the stock market. Oh, wow. And attracting all the attention of the regulators. So for, uh, in the United States, it's the um, Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC. That's the big one that you should be concerned about if you're doing things that are potentially dodgy. Um, yeah. It will come down on you. Um, some people like uh, Mr. Elon Musk doesn't really care too much about them and will, he says they're, they're weak and they don't do their job properly and they're getting in the way. But anyways, they're, they're the regulator. And um, I don't know if in the GameStop situation, they're going to get involved. Someone said they might, but based on what I saw with, um, uh, pardon my French, the guy's name is Deep Fucking Value. His real name is Keith Gill. And on YouTube, he's Roaring Kitty. So he's the original dude. What he did was not um, illegal in any sense of the word, as far as I could tell. Yeah. He did deep research, really in-depth uh, reviews, and he just shared his knowledge uh, for people. And then people like banded together and supported it and bought it and did it up. So whatever happened after that, who knows? But uh, I saw really nothing... Uh, dodgy about what he did he seems like a genuine guy and, which is um, what what i mean which is what all these uh hedge funds and these which is what they do on a day-to-day -day basis right they have hundreds of millions yeah. of dollars for research and then they make a position whether they're long shorting something or longing it it's it's the same process and then they go on cnbc whereas this guy went on reddit so it's just a different forum so Absolutely. you know hedge funds have access to the media to get interviews whereas some guy in a basement in um i don't know where he was living um Ottawa. can't exactly call up you know cnbc or fox and say interview me for this sure that's the whole power dynamic that's changed is he had the power of the crowd following him because of the strength of his research yeah um so this this is uh, like i said the story of the first uh and i think only time a the sec prosecuted or charged a a minor so someone under the age of 18 no with stock market uh manipulation and and fraud okay um so um, the, the, it was a the person in question uh, was a 15-year-old high school student from New Jersey. His name oh, was no Jonathan okay. uh, Lebed. Okay. Or Lebed. Uh, pardon the pronunciation. I'm not sure yeah. which one's right. Okay. Um, so he was actually, he showed us some talent for stock picking uh, when he was really young. Um, I mean, 15 is young, but um, I think when he was 11 or 12. Yeah. Uh, he watched um, his dad, observed his dad. He was making kind of dabbling in the stock market and he took an interest and started watching like CNBC. I think everybody watches that for some generic information on the stock market because it always has the tickers going on. Do you, uh, um, uh, just for me on a side point, I don't want to uh, mm. wreck your rhythm. Is CNBC the best financial network you think it's advice is it not like when it comes to this kind is what what do you recommend for the most neutral information when i find out i wouldn't recommend any of them they're all they're all uh, crap to be honest uh, it's, <laughs> it's, fair it's, enough. it's good to get um an awareness but uh, not to be naive about what they're saying but uh, cnbc is just like the dominant one really hard if you're just watching that for your uh stock market information i think in canada they have something called uh, bnn yeah. Uh, I think it may be owned by Bloomberg now. Yeah. And I used to watch that and I thought was really interested in it. 
but basically they get stock market analysts um, to talk about their stock and their picks and a lot of promotions going on there. Um, And I find it really difficult to like not get swept up in the enthusiasm and the the hype that's going on. Of course, we're talking about details, but the big picture is they're trying to like promote their, their thing. And you got to like step aside from that sort of thinking and like do your own work. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's number one rule is do your own research. Um, you don't listen to what anybody else tells you. Absolutely. So uh, yeah, this, this uh, kid, um, he really was interested um, to, into, you know, what was going on and started just watching CNN, CNBC all the time. And um, he then started doing his own research on, he had an AOL account, I think. Yeah. You remember that? So he could, I don't know if yeah. it was a full amount of, um, of research you can do on AOL. I don't remember there being too many options, but I think he managed to pull off a decent amount of research. He apparently got his mom to like drive him around to different um, offices to like actually show him that these companies were real and didn't just exist online. Yeah because they lived in New Jersey, not far, far from New York City and could see a few, I guess, head offices and stuff. So then he was like, okay, this is real. And um, he, um, he had a $8,000 savings bond that his parents uh, bought uh, when he was born. Yeah. And um, they gave it to him. So they said, okay, you, you're showing your research. They actually let him invest it, which is pretty reckless in my opinion to give a 12 year old uh eight grand um eight grand to invest but who am i to judge um and he bought aol stock yeah and that turned into a profit oh, and they're like well this kid's onto something yeah. and from there he, like the kid was validated jonathan was like this is awesome <laughs> yeah um <laughs> and uh he then enrolled in a cnbc stock picking contest for for um I guess, um, middle school, high school, um, yeah. Students. And, um, he managed to come forth out of like thousands of other teams or across the country. He came wow. forth and for the longest time he was in first place and only like in the last little week. So if, if not for some, um, of his trades coming undone, it was imaginary money, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Um, he, but he managed to turn an imaginary $10,000 into $240,000. Wow. And, um, he would, I think he did this totally, totally on his own. He was meant to have a team and he just like said, Hey, uh, you know, Frank and George join up with me. Just like put your name here. Uh, I'll do all the trading. Um, yeah. as far as I could tell, that's what happened. Go play on the playground. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll, here. I'll do all the work. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so he was super successful and he got a bit of media attention as a result. And he actually like his dad's uh, colleagues at work were like, Hey, you know, does your son have any stock tips? Like he did super well, uh, good on that. Yeah. Uh, he got a lot of attention. So he, um, the momentum grew and he convinced his parents then to um, give him or open up a, a e-trading account for him, a stock trading account. Yeah. Um, first his mom said, okay, uh, you can do that in the Meritrade account. And then she freaked out and said, what am I doing? Um, I can't do that for my son. And then his dad, um, uh, after his mom closed uh, the Meritrade, Meritrade account, uh, he opened an E-Trade account and his dad said, don't listen to your mother. You're good. (laughs) (laughs) Off you go. (laughs) Um, so I assume the rules don't necessarily allow children to invest in the stock market. I don't know how that's uh, scrutinized, but I guess he was getting his parents um, 
money at this point were some of the proceeds from that initial AOL thing to, to invest with. Yeah. I think that's where he got the capital to, to do this investment. Wait, are, are, you mean like it's illegal or it's not on the, like it's not like kids can't play the stock market like at home? I don't know. I actually, I actually don't know if there's rules around minors investing. It's, um, I know for sure. Probably there's like, if you want to open an account, you have to be 18 plus. The parents probably opened it on their behalf. But, but uh, oh yeah, that, that'd be interesting to look into if there's no, if there's an actual like rule around it because it should be open to everyone. Uh, yeah, I seem to remember uh, like stories of Warren Buffett and various um, elder investor, investors saying, I bought my first stock when I was 10. So yeah, yeah. I guess maybe there isn't anything. Okay, no problem. That's a side, side point. We'll look yeah, at but it's a good point. Um, and so then he got, this is when he got like really deep into this thing. He got really excited. He had momentum behind him, a lot of interest. So yeah. he created a website called uh, stockdogs.com. Yeah. I think that's the name. Uh, to promote the stocks that interested him. So yeah. he was doing his own research and he'd publish whatever he thought was interesting on this website. Yeah. And then he would get, um, he, he got over 1500 visitors a day. Wow. And then because of the, the attention he had and his early successes from the CNBC thing, um, he had people from uh, random companies contacting him and saying like, hey, you should talk up my company. Like oh, yeah, yeah. the shares are going to go up. And then so he'd go, hmm, okay, cool. And he would put uh, some research on there concerning a few com companies. Yeah. Um, and so during the next two years, he made, um, they've identified at least 27 trades. I'm sure he did quite a bit more than that. Um, and he earned over $800,000. Holy crap. Wow. So he was 15 years old uh, at this point, 14, 15 years old. Yeah. And pretty much on the way to being a millionaire. Uh, through these trades so he like he uh pretty pretty good investor but there is some funky business going on which the sec didn't like so um you know the overall context was he was doing this trading when the it was the stock uh, market bubble for tech stocks in, in the, the, the dot-com uh, bubble yeah um a bit before our time but uh i think you have some memory of it yeah yeah all those kind of dogs.com selling random things and anything Y2K, with the dot-com was going yeah, yeah. up y2k okay. um so the stock market was going crazy and pretty much anything was going up at that point but yeah um he used an interesting method which is kind of relevant to the reddit story um so i'm not sure whether he was the first but i think he, he's he really stands out as one of the first um to be super successful at this um well, maybe arguably not successful since the SEC uh, went down hard on him. <laughs> but uh, here we go. He would allegedly, he would buy up a bunch. Of, I'll use allegedly because this is all, um, you know, involved in litigation and I don't want to be in, in trouble here. Okay. He would allegedly buy up big chunks of very thinly traded um, micro cap stocks. Okay. So just to uh, explain those terms, um, a micro cap, stock there's like micro cap small cap medium and large cap yeah. so large cap would be something like i don't know procter and gamble coca-cola like the biggest of the big companies on the new york stock exchange yeah and then um it goes down from there and then micro cap would be a company that pretty much no one's ever heard of yeah um it could be like a five-person company and it's listed somewhere on a uh, i don't know 
what the exchange would be, but on some exchange yeah. somewhere, somewhere it's traded. For example, uh, if Super Destructible was a stock on like the Toronto Stock Exchange, it would be micro cap. It's only two of them. Yeah, I think uh, year end we should target something like that. <laughs> okay, uh, some media, <laughs> media company. Uh, but you're right. I mean, it's, it would uh, kind of be something like that. Uh, yeah, you know, a two small. or three person company, really small, not exactly a viable business necessarily, but. Um, and so there wouldn't be that much trading volume. So trading volume would be like, again, Google or Coca-Cola would have people all over the world buying and selling the stock. Daily, uh, yeah. yeah, daily. yeah. Big institutional investors are in on it, uh, pension funds, all that sort of thing. Yeah. But because of the um, lack of attention for these things, they're very thinly traded. So he, if you buy up a huge amount of something that's thinly traded, your purchases will have a big impact on sure. the share price, right? That yeah. makes sense, I think. Yeah, yeah. So his method was he would he would uh, load up on a few that he had targeted, and then he would very quickly go out onto Yahoo Finance uh, oh. boards, and he would post hundreds of messages um, under different usernames. And it really took a lot of work to, if you think about it, to have all these different usernames and write all this stuff. Uh, he would hype up the stocks he bought, and then sell them within 24 hours of buying a higher them. price yeah because people had price. like because people had like interest in it at that point right yeah because people were uh, there was such oh. interest on uh, these message boards because everybody wanted to get rich quick yeah, and find the next big uh dot com before uh, the next person found out so he really exploited this and he um he he was very successful in doing so yeah. So he'd say things like for example a stock um I think this is a real example a stock with a ticker name is the name that it's listed under called FTEC. He'd say, um, FTEC is starting to break out. Next week, this thing will explode in caps lock. Wow. Currently, FTEC is trading at just $2. I'm expecting to see FTEC at $20 very soon. It's a bit like a Donald Trump tweet, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Caps lock, exclamation marks, very short, very punchy things. Yeah. But remember, uh, no, no Twitter at this point. It was on like no Twitter. On message board, pre-Twitter. Free Twitter. But um, he had a very uh, interesting communication style. He would, you know, really hyping it up um, in the Donald Trump uh, method. So the stock would, the stocks like this, they would go from tens of thousands of trades per day uh, to after when he was promoting them, hyping them yeah. over a million trades a day. So wow. he would actually have um, momentum behind it. Yeah, like yeah, he had yeah. a lot of influence. Um, Did people know it was him who was hyping it up or no? It was just kind of so, the so, random... Kind of the thing with the internet, um, you know, Nobody no one, knows. no one could identify that this was like a fourteen-year-old kid. And this was yeah. back when, like, the internet wasn't as advanced as it was now, right? Like, it's just message boards and like fourteen-point-four startup, like connections and stuff exactly, like <laughs> exactly. And, and and no one would think to scrutinize who was doing it. They were just getting caught up in the hype of of the dot-com era. And I guess people don't think too clearly when things like that happen. Oh, so. Yeah. Um, so basically, the uh, SEC started monitoring his um, trading activity. Yeah. And um, he had 11 of his trades declared illegal. Oh, no way. And he had to settle with the SEC without admitting wrongdoing. That's very yeah. important to say. Okay. Um, there was no admission of guilt. Um, but he had to pay um, reportedly over close to $300,000 in, um, in, in fines or a settlement. Yeah, uh, but he managed to keep, uh, I think, half a million because, like I said, he, he earned eight hundred thousand. He was fined three hundred thousand, kept the rest. Right. So uh, he, 
he managed to keep half a million for himself. That's not bad for a 15 year old. I'm assuming it probably is related to price manipulation, right? Yeah. So I didn't get into the details. I was trying to get, go through the reading and for our listeners, uh, we'll share the link uh, when we post this episode. Um, the very famous uh, financial author, Michael Lewis, he wrote um, the big short Moneyball, liars, poker, flash boys. Like, he writes really, really interesting um, stories. Is he, on... is he related to you in any way? He's a distant cousin. Really? No, I don't know. I see... <laughs> <laughs> no, I think he's from New Orleans and oh. he uh, has no, no, no identifiable <laughs> connection. But you uh, never know. Yeah, let's just say he's a distant cousin. <laughs> yeah, side note, I used to try and claim that I was con- connected to C.S. Lewis, um, <laughs> the author, in, in grade school. And some people believe me and some people hate me for it. <laughs> I... I used to, people used to be like, oh, they couldn't say my last name properly. It's Rahman, R-A-H-M-A-N. So people used to say, oh, ramen. And then they'd be like, are you related to the, the, the ramen the noodles? noodles? <laughs> yeah. And I went with it for a while too. So, cause my first name's Japanese, right? So, but hmm. we digress, but uh, totally. maybe, maybe both of us have fortunes waiting for us somewhere that we don't know about. Right. Yeah. Yeah. One can hope <laughs> one can dream. So, so uh, please, so what, end, what did end up, ended up happening with our, with our friend here? Well, so um, kept half a million. He kept half a million, and I think he was banned from doing trading for, I don't think for life, but for a period of time. Yeah. Um, I and I tried digging around to seeing what he's up to these days. I think he still has a website, not not the one I mentioned, Stock Dogs, but he he has some other website, and um, he's still doing these kind of promotions, as far as I can tell. So he's still talking up stocks um, in in a certain way. Um, but so this Michael Lewis guy, this is how he kind of got a level of fame, the story, because whenever Michael Lewis talks about something, yeah. the story gets amplified because he's, he's so good at like narrating, of course, like very uh, focused elements of what goes on in the stock market and, and Wall Street for everyday people to understand. Yeah. And so he wrote about um, Jonathan Levitt's, um story in a book, uh, The Future Just Happened. And it okay. was condensed into a New York Times article. Um, so this book wasn't as successful as the other ones I mentioned, but he, he kind of thought this was an interesting case to focus on because it struck him as like the first time the little guy could have such an impact. It, like they had access to e-trading accounts. Yeah. Kind of like right now with Robin Hood, access to internet forums to um, share what their research which is what he did yeah. and um, have an ability to influence markets and yeah. trades. And so he thought it was really incredible how a 15 year old um, was able to pull this, this kind of stuff off. And he said, this is like, this is a game changer. This is yeah. something that's really, really uh, important for people to know about. And if you read the article, there was a couple of articles about this kid at the time. Yeah. And Michael Lewis's um, side was like, the SEC is a bit uh, off the mark here to be focusing on this little kid. If, if um, you go into the detail, he wasn't trying to be um, like some evil manipulator. He was just a bored teenager at home in his parents, like suburban basement home, uh, uh, you know, doing trades and you know, what he was doing, it was not necessarily that much different than like we yeah. said, someone with greater access and influence and money would, yeah. what do they do? They, they buy a stock, they talk it up and hope it goes up. So yeah, um, he said, well, you know, can't really fault him necessarily for this. And then 
um, someone from the other side said, you know, this kid is being a bit of a shyster and manipulating the market and yeah. we should be careful of this kind of thing going forward. Um, so in many ways, it reflects on what's going on in the Reddit situation, because if you turned on CNBC last week, while this is going on, they were interviewing a lot of Wall Street people, a lot of hedge fund people and yeah. saying, what do you think about this Reddit forum? Yeah. Like, um, is this valid what they're doing? They're causing the, the price to go up. And a lot of them would say, there's a very famous interview from last week with this billionaire saying they're all crooks and he, he was like nearly in tears saying this is horrible what they're doing you know we're rich people we should be allowed to do our thing and they're messing with our system yeah <laughs> um meanwhile reddit and the whole like o- online system is is doing its thing and they don't care about cnbc so yeah. it's like the dichotomy the spread between like mainstream media and the financial press yeah. and then the online world and how that's kind of come to the global attention yeah yeah i mean so i see the parallels very very clearly that's it's it's interesting i uh, uh first of all reddit i i'm not uh, that knowledgeable in it i believe it, uh, from what i've read it's just a message board right like it's just a, with subtopics and this and that it's just become very popular and that and then it's it's been around for a while yeah i um I'm not a Reddit user. I've dabbled in Reddit and I check things out once in a while, but um, I can't say I'm a regular user of it. And I I was aware of Wall Street Bets, the forum where um, all these kind of trades started. And I kind of poked around there a bit. And to be honest, it's kind of funny. I I really kind of think it's hilarious. Some of the stuff that they're talking about and the way they're talking about things. Yeah. Um, It's kind of just like trolling. I I actually didn't. Wall Street stuff. I was the complete opposite. I didn't know anything about this thing until it was in the news. And so I read on, on it and it was, it was fascinating for me. I just feel like it's just kind of like a place, like a coffee, like an online coffee shop where a bunch of people are talking. But, uh, but speaking of what's happening now, I think the difference is that whereas perhaps like allegedly we use the word that your friend Jonathan uh, was, was buying stocks, hyping them up and selling them. I think now the difference is that there is real research behind the movement in terms of what's happening, right? The guy who did it, uh, I think, did his work. He just needed a bunch of people to band together. So I also saw the interviews of the billionaires not being happy in it. But the argument against it is that this is what you do all the time as the default, right? You buy things and you may engage in much more illegal crimes (laughs) where there's price manipulation and blackmail. And you have hundreds of millions of dollars, if not billions, to to throw behind it now the other side's doing it and it's affecting you and you have nothing you can't do anything right so i you, i don't know if people know this or not but two hedge funds have lost i think close to 30 billion dollars in the last two weeks because of what's been happening with with their shorts yeah because i think uh one of them or they pulled out of right? them they had a short position of like 140 percent of the the stock of the yeah. shares outstanding so like what essentially uh mr keith gill did was he just exploited something that he saw as an inconsistency and impossibility. So, which is what the other side was doing too. They were exploiting something because it was mm-hmm. already down, right? Like they kept mm-hmm. it down for their own gain. So he kind of figured out where the loophole was very, very smartly, uh, not smartly, <laughs> very, very intelligently. And, and then doing that, but yeah, I mean, uh, your story is really fascinating because I'm, I'm learning more about this. One thing you and I both talked about is that, uh, um, there is no rhyme or reason to stock picking, right? They've done research and they said at the end of the day, 
I mean, there's no guarantee that your stock will do well. They've had cats pick stocks versus <laughs> Wall Street betters, and the cats have done better. And then, like, I'm sure they had children. But what I do think is important is that some people can do better research than others and make a more informed decision. I 100% believe that. So this kid, he clearly was able to analyze data or he saw something that others couldn't see or he knew human psychology or trend, right? And so that this led to him. Now, what he did afterwards with that is, 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 is up to him. I don't know. I also am like the SEC sometimes I think have bigger fish that to fry than the little guy, but, uh, but. Yeah, I think that's a good point um, because. What's, what's the $200,000 when billions are being shifted around daily, you know? And so. Uh, I think yeah. the, the point is they, they, in this case, it's important for them maybe to have looked into it and uh, focused on, you know, what's going on here. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. I think it's a case of, you know, pushing the little guy around and um, it'd be interesting to see if something like that happened today, what uh, the public outcry would be like, because well, there's a lot more pr pressure from these online forums that can come of out. Course. And... The financial system, if you ever, um, um, so it's like a club, right? Like, like the, all, like, so you have, even if you go down to literally the actual wall street in Manhattan, the SEC is pretty much on the same block as the NASDAQ and the New York Stock oh, really? Exchange or like within a block, right? And all the hedge funds are kind of there and stuff. So it's like, you're certain, like, you know, there's like, they're connected, right? It's not like, it's not like, uh, we're not talking about like completely different colors, for example, we're talking about like different shades of gray, right? Like, mm -hmm. so like, uh, I think there is a system built in place where everything kind of works and fits within another. And if anything comes in to disrupt that, then really it's, it's, it, it becomes a problem for everyone, which is, I think, a metaphor uh, for what's happening now is that I, the SEC has not, from the best of my knowledge, gotten involved in the GameStop situation directly yet, but uh, maybe that'll change. But uh, you have a group of, uh, what's the kid's name again that you just mentioned? What's his name? Uh, the one who started? Uh, not uh, the GameStop, the one, uh, the, the, the main oh, Jonathan Jonathan on the bed, the original the bed. Yeah, so I think we have a number of Jonathans now who are have much more access to information and technology and uh, and are intelligent kind of engaging in this situation you know uh, to a degree so i don't know man i think this is all a question mark like what will end up happening i uh, uh, i'm all for uh, uh, i'm all for legal legal <laughs> legal uh, uh, legal revolution and not breaking the law <laughs> and using using your brains uh, the thing that I'm most uh, 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 um, interested in this is that people really did uh, made a really very informed decision in doing this, right? It wasn't just a spur of the moment, like Friday night, let's do something on Monday. It was very well planned, right? So I'm, I'm, uh, the work was given, was put into it. So let's yeah. see what happens. You know, I'm in awe. Like, um, like you said, uh, you shouldn't spend your whole life watching his uh, videos and reading yeah. his posts, but sure, just to get an impression about. Uh, the level of research that he did. Um, we'll also post the link for this. Just check out his uh, Roaring Kitty YouTube channel. Yeah. And the he posted in the summer of last year, I think it was, his research. And he had spreadsheets created. He went into like levels of research that I, I don't think like a highly paid hedge fund analyst or, you know, 
investment bank analysts would do. He, he went on a different level of research and he deserves uh, the money uh, that he got from this for sure. Uh, I agree. I agree. Do you feel that it's like, uh, you know, there are a lot of uh, fields uh, in this world where the system is rigged or where you get a huge advantage because of some type of, uh, you know, benefit you might have sports or, or business or nepotism. Do you feel that in the stock market, if you had, uh, it's, it's a pretty, fair playing ground if you uh, if you really take out all that excess or do you feel that it's still kind of a like a uh, a rigged yeah. system yeah that's a that's a tough question it's a real tough one i mean this you're guy's on, you're on the record so <laughs> <laughs> well this guy's shown that it's it's not necessarily rigged if you do your homework and can figure out the right move um the, the little guy as it were can do very well yeah um but not everybody has uh, that kind of uh, level of, I think the, the only missing resource there is time because yeah. everything is essentially out there online for big American companies to, for you to do research on. I agree. Um, yeah. it, it takes a huge amount of time to, to do that. And, and like the internet has really obviously changed things in that respect where it's democratized um, that, that world. Whereas before it was a closed door yeah. system and a really clubby system for, you know, Ivy Leaguers and, um, you know, people whose father uh, worked on Wall Street giving yeah. his son probably very gendered uh, a job. Yeah. So now, in a, in a sense, I think, you know, I, I worked at a bank uh, for some time and the impression I got was that it's, it's changed there too. Like it's become very raw and about the numbers if you're good with math. Yeah. And it's kind of weeding out people who are just kind of, a wheeler dealer and they talk a lot, but in, in practice, they don't actually know so much. Yeah. So a lot of the hiring with banks now is just like, do you know numbers? Do you know how to like make yeah. an algorithm and computer uh, science? And uh, are you a physics major? Yeah. Um, so in that sense, it's just, if you have the raw intelligence, uh, you should do very well. You, uh, but, one you know, a certain, a certain level of manipulation is always going to take place for sure. For sure. I mean, one thing I really like about the, I completely, I'm on the same page with you. I think that uh, it's not, I would say completely equal, but I think it's a little bit more equal than other fields. The information's out there. It's just about people who can really see the, see who could analyze and really see the end game in it. And I think anyone can be put into that. Uh, one thing I told you the other day on our call, when we had a call, it was that I think I said, I wish I had gotten involved and learned about this at a younger age. And it was my mistake that I wasn't going to, I, I didn't. But I think one thing that the financial industry does is overcomplicate all this so they can kind of take control of it and have minimal amount of people. It's really not that complicated and it's very logical uh, and it makes sense. If you, if, if young people if in school or at home or whatever, like just did a year or two of kind of like just classes on financial planning and investing and stuff. I think not only would it be beneficial for them, for their futures, but for the society as a whole, people should really know what's happening with money. Uh, you don't have to be Warren Buffett. You don't have to do this, but at some point you're going to have to save and invest and do your taxes and this and that. You should really know how the system works to a certain level. Uh, yeah. And I think it's like that with a, a lot of different professions, you know, the legal profession, no, uh, yeah. even, even medicine, um, the, the vocabulary and the language is written in a very uh, high yeah. and elevated elite way. Yeah. Um, but if they just say things in plain English, <laughs> I agree. I, then I, it, that's the, maybe the fear that, that that's there. Um, yeah. They'll take because over it, it opens up to the rest of 
uh, the literate population to actually understand what the hell is going on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if we're talking about like like uh, rocket science, of course the average person doesn't need to know like all that. But if you're talking about like your finances or your health or the legal system, so you know your rights, you should definitely know this stuff. Like all that, you know. Like I'm ashamed to say that like like I'm not that well versed in like in 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 my rights in Canada and the laws and this and that. But I should be right. Like it's it's my responsibility as a Canadian or as a citizen to know what I like what my rights and freedoms are so like I don't blame anyone this is my thing but one thing I will do is that if when when I have kids I, I definitely want them to know some of this stuff at an earlier age and if I was a parent for like Jonathan's and I saw that my kid was gifted I uh, I would definitely allow them to do it but to take all your money and disinvest it make money for dad <laughs> yeah and, the, and to do it <laughs> Uh, because I, I believe, uh, I don't know how, what you feel about this, but like, uh, um, like I have uh, talks with my wife about this. If, if your kid shows like that they're, uh, they're uh, excelling in certain fields and, and of course, like without, within reason, right? Like not so that their whole life becomes that, wouldn't you want to try to kind of burn that fire, like keep it going a little bit and really encourage them just not only for, not for the financial gain, but just to kind of you know what I'm trying to say? Like really just kind of motivate them and get them and it's really kind of help them. Because for example, if my kid was a financial genius, maybe, and he enjoyed it, then I would try to assist him and help him that, you know, in, in that field. And if, if a side reward was extra money, then I wouldn't exploit my children for it, but you know, like I would keep all the money for him or, you know, or her. Yeah. I mean, if you read the story about this kid, um, his parents were getting super stressed out about it. His dad yeah. had already had a heart attack. Oh. And he wouldn't go to any of the SEC meetings because he would get so angry at the media and the government for going after his son. Yeah. Uh, but he, uh, when Michael Lewis went over to their house um, to interview them about this case, yeah. um, like the dad was saying, I wish I'd never bought a computer for this family. Yeah. It's been nothing but trouble and uh, such a mess. But he, was, he said at the end of the day, he was very proud of his son. Yeah. Uh, he, he'd shown himself to be a prodigy with, with fina financial. Uh, Finesse, yeah finessing yeah um but yeah i think to a certain extent as long as you your your kid has a good moral and ethical compass just yeah. let, let, let it rip go for it well one <laughs> thing i've noticed is like i don't know if you've seen this or not but like there's something about money that makes people go crazy like i don't adults go crazy it's just i don't know if it's the feel the touch what it can do just the mentality if you go into a casino if you do that and it just makes you like lose your mind you know what i'm talking about like people just love money which is fine <laughs> like you know but uh, but um, I think uh, something when I don't think children share in that in that greediness, if you want to call it that, or in that in that feeling towards money. I think I would guess that Jonathan probably was figured out that he saw that he was good at something, right? And he saw that he could do something that others couldn't do, and really tried to harness that. And maybe he kind of got off track, maybe not allegedly. But uh, but I think uh, if you can find a healthy way to kind of uh, put your energies towards something and really kind of develop it. I think it's like, I think this kid's a genius, right? If he was able to figure that out at 15, which other people cannot even do in their thirties, forties or fifties, right? So- Yeah, and it's the kind of thing like, you hear all these um, tech geniuses in Silicon Valley and you hear how they started and yeah. essentially they were just fascinated by how things work, how computer works. They took it apart. They, yeah. they programmed from, they even like made their own apps these days at the age of 12, 13. Um, so for sure, if, if, if your kid's got an interest in something like that, then most, I bet most of the time, parents have no idea what their kids are up to. Yeah, I agree. Those things yeah. like- Just like, don't come home until nighttime, yeah. 
like it, when it gets, comes to like programming and that sort of thing, I, I would have no clue what's going on. So I'd just say, well, it looks like you're doing something smart. Uh, go, yeah. go ahead with that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, uh, when I was growing up, I don't think my parents really knew what I liked or I didn't like. They were just sort of like, uh, don't get into trouble. Go <laughs> 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 play. But I know it's different. I, I don't blame anyone for it, but it's really fascinating when it comes to stocks and money and stuff like that, that some people can really pick it up really quickly. Others cannot, others don't care. Others don't know. But I think bringing it, tying it back to what's happening now is that like uh, 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 there is this movement which could impact the way money is dealt with in the future for a long time or permanently to come. And all of it is being done, not illegally, but just kind of it's, I think the way it's coming off in the media is like, is, is like a David versus Goliath situation. And maybe it is that, like, I don't, uh, I don't know, but, but I'm watching and I'm fascinated by it and uh, I don't know what'll happen, but but I'm supporting one side and uh, <laughs> everyone I, I likes think, a good uh, David versus Goliath story. It's always a popular one. I, I think if anything, if it's shedding a light on the problems we have in our financial system, then that's a good step forward. Because like I said, if it's a fair fighting ground and, and people are fair, uh, fighting fairly or playing the game fairly, then we should see what, what, what ends up happening. But if one, if it's tilted towards one side, if systematically, if there's an issue with it, then we should fix those issues because it's not fair. And, and by the way, it's not fair for the people playing. It's not fair for the companies involved. It's not fair for, uh, for everyone, right? It should be an equal playing field. Yeah, I think that's a good point because part of the injustice that people see is that these guys lost billions, but then at the end of the day, they were bailed out by their billionaire friends. So sure. like if, if the Reddit traders uh, lose all their GameStop money, it's over. They're, they're in trouble. Um, and of course, it's a risk you take when you invest in stocks. But like the short sellers hedge funds made a bad bet and they lost and they're right. not taking on that loss they're it's getting their their coffers refilled by their friends and i think yeah. that's the injustice that pisses people off yeah. it's the same sort of like thing that stems a lot of them referenced it was like you know the financial crisis 2008 they said no one got punished you know yeah. for the, the well. wall street so they're like Screw these guys. That's part of the the thing that they're thinking of. A hundred percent. And 08 was almost 15 years ago. So we were kind of just out of university, right? When that happened. And like, I sort of remember it. I wasn't paying as much attention as I should have, but people lost their homes, their livelihoods, like the average everyday purse people, their pensions. It was a huge deal. And all these big billionaire banks and hedge funds, they lost money too, but they were just bailed out, right? So they kind of got a mulligan on life, right? Like they were able to play again. Whereas a lot of other people really suffered, right? And that's not right. Like, that's not fair. And so uh, uh, I think there's a systematic, uh, uh, like the system is built on the little guy taking on the most risk and having to lose the most. And I think this has to change. And if, if this movement, what's happening now is going to even shift towards justice, then all for it. As long as, again, we're not doing anything illegal and hurting anybody or, or whatnot. We're all following the law, which, I, which is what I like the most about the movement at the moment. Power right? to the people power to the people uh you i know you had said that uh you might buy a share just in support right uh <laughs> until i realize that i don't have enough money to buy one share <laughs> <laughs> yeah until it's too expensive uh, uh but people should uh, one fascinating thing i read last week was that when this when it started people around the world started buying shares it wasn't just americans and stuff there were people from our our favorite countries of canada and india there are people from europe and africa and I started learning about all the different brokerages and systems around the world. And people were like, every average everyday people were lining up just to buy shares. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of that had to do with the, the potential to make money. But of course, a lot also had to do with the movement. So this is a global thing. You know, this isn't just and, for Americans. 
And what's good about it is, is that it brings more people into the financial system, which of course the blood-sucking capitalists love, but <laughs> I think it's a good uh, learning opportunity for people. If, if it draws more people in, they're going to yeah. pay more attention. Yeah. They're going to, if their money's invested now, and I'm, I'm sure a few will lose money from this, but sure. once they, you know, feel the pain of it and take more time to scrutinize what's going on with their money. Yeah. I think that's going to only be a good thing for the yeah. world if more people are involved, more people are paying attention. Yeah. You know? Agreed. I think uh, uh, I was listening to a, uh, an interview with Elizabeth Warren a couple of days ago, and she's a little too, like, uh, a little too left-leaning for me, maybe a little too past my, my comfort zone. But uh, she said that, you know, the original stock market was designed so we could get foreign investment for local companies, right? So people can invest in a company, they could grow, et cetera, et cetera. And so now it's just become this casino where people bet and do this. And maybe that's right. Maybe it's not. I'm not to say, but I definitely think that if people are going to invest their funds in whatever company or whatever investment, they should have uh, they should have an educated uh, uh, backing behind it. They should know what's happening. And this is clearly what's happening now. And it's just shedding a light on something that others didn't know. Right. That's pretty much what's happening. And so I give this guy uh, uh, what's this? What's the YouTube handle again? Uh, something. Uh, Rory, Rory, Roaring Kitty. Uh, Kitty. Roaring Kitty, yeah, yeah. Roaring Kitty. I, I give him complete uh, uh, props on, on the research and the, uh, he's done and everyone else who's followed suit. It must have been very difficult to get, like, convince that first person or the second person or the third person, but now there's hundreds of thousands of people. So uh, uh, stick with So we'll it. have to look out for the uh, Hollywood movie to come out as a result. Yeah, I yeah. Think, uh, I, I think it already started. Like, I think I saw, I heard yesterday that someone's getting their, someone's going to make two movies and like Netflix and Sony or something. So uh, I'm it, sure uh, they could uh, pull it off pretty quickly. It's pretty um, easy production to do some guy at home. It's just like a computer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, do you remember, you remember like a month or two back, you sent me that trailer for that movie about COVID and mm -hmm. like, and they, it, so it's about COVID. It was made when, like in the last year. And it's pretty much just like Zoom recordings and like a couple off scrap. Like, you know, it was really quickly put together with some big names behind it, like, like Jerry Bruckheimer's behind it or something like that, you know? But you can definitely tell like production value and story are complete garbage. <laughs> yeah, we're going to see a lot more of those coming up because they had to adapt to the, the new world. Yeah, yeah. But Great story. I'm really fascinated in it. I think uh, uh, I'm going to keep watching. I'm going to research this guy. We'll post the links. If people have comments or similar stories or their thoughts on generally what's happening, let us know. We'll, 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 we'll push them. We don't take a, you know, we're very, we're not like the, the financial system or the SEC. We don't choose one side or the other. We try to be neutral in our, mm. in our conveying. Until opinion. we're paid otherwise to do so. <laughs> <laughs> Such is the world. Uh, uh, I'm joking, but that's fascinating. Very fascinating. Um, what's, uh, as we end the thing, what's, what's like your week looking like, like, are you doing this in lockdown? Tell us what you do, Dave, just as a, as a finisher for the day. What's a typical day of David Lewis? Oh, wow. Um, there's so much that happens. It's hard to know where to start. Um, well, actually the, the main thing that's occupying my time right now is I started a executive MBA. Yeah. So that's been, it's just started last week and it was crazy busy. It was a full week but then it's gonna hopefully peter out. It's meant to be every other weekend, Friday, Saturday. Um, cool. And then of course there's my business, which I need to keep uh, pushing and keep ticking along. And uh, yeah, but apart from that, you know, we meet up with people on the weekend, but you can't, there's a curfew at nine o'clock and uh, can't go too far. So yeah, most people, it's not, not the most exciting time. Yeah. Do you find that like, uh, 
are you stressed out because of the curfew or do you find that you're just you've given up on life or you're well, relaxed? no I've, i mean i've already given up on, on many things but uh <laughs> i think it's taken away options so I, i'm resigned to that and it's, it's comforting when you know everyone else is in the same same boat right uh, yeah i yeah i guess so i think i'm I like uh i'm okay i mean like life's not horrible but like it's it's emotionally draining to know think that this thing is still happening and like a year is a long time <laughs> like it's more than a year now but uh uh but it's it's weird to think that like one entire year of our 35 36 years of existence has been put towards just and we don't get a refund with no refund you know so but on the other side, I mean, I think when we look back on it, it will be just a blip in our life, but at least some good positive happened. You started your MBA, you traveled, like you got some stuff done. It wasn't a complete write-off, right? Like, I mean, uh, like I'm sure there was a lot of positives as well, right? You got to self-reflect. <laughs> I don't know if that's a Yeah, a lot of self-reflection. <laughs> <laughs> I know a lot of people hide from that. They don't like self-reflecting, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. And then I always am I'm very grateful that like, you know, we didn't have to. And we started this podcast. Sorry. We started the podcast. That's of course we didn't, we didn't, uh, you know, we didn't have to take loans uh, or we didn't have to like go into debt or lose our stores or suffer. There's always meals on our table, but I don't know, man, it's, it's, it's a strange world. And I am hoping that things going to be solved very quickly. Inshallah. There you go. Anyways, Dave, thanks for the story. It's very relevant. Send me the links. I'll post them. Uh, we'll get people involved and hopefully very timely. So maybe we can do a follow-up in the next few weeks if there are big stories that come out of this. For sure. For sure. Thanks for listening. And uh, thanks again to our Canadian, Indian, Indian Canadians and Canadians in general and Indians in general and all <laughs> listeners. It's super respectable. You covered it all. There you go. <laughs> okay. Take care. Okay. Bye. Bye.